Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just spilled coffee on my keyboard. Good thing it's a Logitech. Because it won't affect it now. Uh, <laughs> if we get through this episode, it'll be a miracle. <clears throat> Come on, Rocco. All you got to do is kick it off. We got it from there. I can if you're talking. All right, come on. You can do this. Okay. Go ahead, Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Well, kick it off right now. Start. Go ahead. It's oh, usually Lord. me. You Give me strength. <laughs> Stop it. Sorry. Do you know what you've been up to this week, Rocco? Breaking keyboards? <laughs> Sippy cup. <laughs> Sippy cup would help, actually. I it's, think this official episode should be called Spill the Beans. <laughs> there you go. Very funny, Zeb. Very <laughs> funny. I like that idea, actually. Now, right. can we pull it off? No, uh, but I like the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a uh, quick sound recording, make sure we're good. Enough. And my fox is still jumping over the dog. Yeah, makes sense. I love gnome, good gnome, so much. This much. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 60. I'm Rocco. I'm Ryan. I'm Zeb. And I'm Michael. And this is Destination Linux. This week we're going to be covering Arch Merge, kind of switching things around. A little Ubuntu news, a little Firefox, a little bit of everything. So stick around. So, gentlemen, what's going on? We've got a lot of news to cover this week. Well, before we cover the news, dude, what's, what's going on? What's going on with you this week? I did it, man. I, I I took on your challenge. You know, rarely do I listen to anything you say. But well, I know. <laughs> rarely do you ever listen to anything I say. But I decided, you know what, Rocco's been telling me and telling me and telling me, you if you're going to, you know, experience GNOME, you have to use it for more than a couple of days. You need to put it on your machines. You need to experience the workflow. And then maybe you can put your money where your mouth is. You've been, you know, we've, we've been a little harshish unknown. And so I thought, you know what? Rocco's right. It's time to kind of put my money where my mouth is and put Gnome on all of my machines. That includes the beast. The beast is running Ooh. on Gnome right now. Wow. wow. And in fact, I'm on Gnome at this moment. And so I've been doing that all week. I've been learning Gnome, playing with it, watching some of your old videos, Rocco. And uh, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. In the challenge. Nice. What about you, Michael? What have you been up to? You switched to GNOME too? Uh, no, I'm actually, I've, I've used GNOME before. <laughs> I actually used to contribute to GNOME and uh, managed multiple extensions. So I know quite a bit about GNOME. Yeah, but 2009 uh, doesn't count. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. It was like 2013, 2014. It, it was, it was, it was reasonably, it was far away. It was, it was, long, it was a while ago. But, uh, what I have been doing is looking at more music players because, you know, naturally I found one, another one that's actually like interesting and good and it looks awful by default, but you can change it and make it better. So that's nice, I guess. 
But what's really cool, the thing I liked about this, what I did this week was, or maybe the most noteworthy thing, is that I built a ridiculous macro keyboard. So have you ever thought, I, I, 110 keys on my keyboard is not enough. Every have you day. ever needed 200? Yeah, because <laughs> everybody needs 200. Every, everyone needs 200 keys, exactly. So one keyboard is a regular keyboard. The other keyboard, all the keys do individual functions, and they are like, you know, I use uh, some bash scripts to make them do whatever random things I wanted to do, and I'm also working on trying to make a profile system so they work. They, the keyboard becomes a different macro thing for each application. So, yeah. It's kind of like the poor man's i3. <laughs> No, if he can remember, but it would make i3 useful. So there you go. If he can remember 105 shortcuts, uh-huh. i3 is going to be a breeze. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you might be able to use i3, Michael. Congratulations. I <laughs> no, I mean seriously. I already have seriously. No, ser- seriously. But I think <laughs> <laughs> what is that funny? What have you been doing? What have you been doing this week, Zeb? Um. Well, I decided to set myself a challenge. I've tried it a couple of times now, but never quite got Gen 2 working. So I've not gone pure Gen 2. Yeah, I've gone calculate. And I've actually cracked it. I've got a working version of calculate now where I can just log on, do my OBS, do my ETS trucking, and live stream. Um, I had a lot of help from Surge. um, (laughs) But no, so the big question for me is, is Gen 2 this mythical, magical operating system? Yeah. Have you been no. able to answer it yet? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just bloody difficult to set up, and there's no there's no upside to it. It's no faster than KDE Neon. It's no faster than Peppermint. So I'll keep it there, but it's working. But next. Well, I think, I think the point, and Rocco, you've made this point before, because there's actually a couple of Gen 2 operating systems out there that kind of fix the installer barrier, right? They add a very a simpler installer and all that stuff. But doesn't that in itself take away the whole purpose of Gentoo, which is supposed to be kind of every element customized to your hardware so that it's faster, right? Yeah, I mean, well, on top of that, part of it is the same reason in Arch where you would install it is to learn. And you you know, learning how to install things in Gentoo might, yeah. you know, give you a headache and blow your mind. Doing it in Calculate Linux is way easier, but you defeat the purpose of actually learning how to do it. So I don't know. I, I don't think the install, I don't think Gentoo in general is some, for somebody like me. I can tell you that. Mm. And I also don't think that with today's technology and all of the improvements that have been made, compiling each individual component for your PC, you're talking about nanoseconds difference. I mean, I think Serge was telling me that he can get his Gen 2 to boot in three seconds. So does Peppermint. Yeah. So I don't think it applies as much now as it used to, where if you compile it all yourself, you get that performance hit. Yeah, and I only only boot my machine once a day at the most, sometimes once a week. Think about that half a second you could save. <laughs> think about well, all the... It's like saving 10 seconds. I don't care. Think about all the time you could save 
using by, a regular di- distribution. Yeah, by not compiling everything. Yeah. <laughs> or think about all the time you could save just using a single 110 key keyboard. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I don't understand. Your, I don't understand your point. What? Wait, you you don't want 200 keys? I, that doesn't seem right. You'll have to There's let probably us probably half a dozen I've never used anyway on this keyboard. <laughs> I actually found out that I wanted to make like certain like uh, shortcuts that I didn't have enough keys for. So, yeah. Wow. 200 keys. That's that's how you do it. Rocco, how are you doing with keyboards these days? Well, I'm glad you asked, Ryan, because, mm-hmm. you know, right before this episode, because that's what Ryan's trying to get out of me here, <laughs> is that uh, right before the episode, we were just about to start the Zoom room and let all the patrons in, and mm-hmm. my keyboard dies. I mean, they had to wait. And then I got to go down in the garage and get a keyboard that has another operating system label on it just to come up and finish the episode. So, <laughs> that, so you're doing great. Yeah, that that's pretty much my week. So it's all good. <laughs> Michael's over there with two keyboards. I can't have, even get one. Can't even get one working. <laughs> well, well I mean, that's how it goes. The quality of my keyboards aren't that. They're like you know, $10, $15 keyboard. So you can have as many ones as you want. Well, I think this Microsoft was one, was one of those as well. So, well, the good news Rocco is now you get to go buy a new keyboard and that can be a lot of fun. And I suggest the Corsair. Really? K65, K70. I think you might like that, man. Okay. Is yeah. it, is it waterproof? <laughs> no, but when I send you your sippy cup, that will resolve that issue. So now. Now you can have the keyboard and not worry about spilling your drink, too. <clears throat> Thanks. You're welcome. All right, what are we covering this week? Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we wasn't so, going to leave you so, hanging. So at speaking all. of which, since I remembered, uh-huh. um, so what, have you, what did, you, did you find as your, like, your favorite features of GNOME since you started using it? So, look, I, I went into this, and I had my opinions, which everybody knows. I don't need to repeat them on, on GNOME and its workflow. And was very set that, you know, I like a lot of different desktop environments, Mate, KDE, that I was not going to um, enjoy some of the setups of GNOME. But I was wrong, okay? I will admit that there are a lot of things in here that I actually do like. And uh, the more time that I spent with it, the more I learned. Now, some of these things are kind of, um, they're hidden, so you don't really know they're there the first time you're in GNOME. And what I'm talking about specifically is extensions uh, that are in there in the tweak tool. Now, a lot of people who use Linux and stuff know about the tweak tool. Uh, but once you combine those two things together, if you're, then you start having all of these options to really customize GNOME's flow to your own. And I was able to customize some of the stuff to make it run like other desktops that I personally work with my workflow. And some of those extensions, for instance, like Shell Tile. So now I have this i3-like experience utilizing, and I, and I said like, not exactly i3, but it's very like in that you can move windows into positions, multiple different positions, tile your windows across your screen. So even like right now I'm in GNOME and I have seven screens open that are tiled using shell tile, which is really cool. I can do that within a GNOME uh, flow. Now, does that offer like keyboard shortcuts like i3? Mm-hmm. It does. It has keyboard shortcuts in it, but they're not like, I mean, i3, you can do all kinds of different, they're, I mean, you're writing code with i3, right? So you can make it do what you want. Whereas this is more kind of the pre-setup macro 
stuff. So there's some pre-configured ones. You can go in there and set the key combinations to what you want, et cetera. But I, I wouldn't cool. say it's as powerful, but it's pretty close. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not automatic. You just, you just tell exactly. it where you want to go. Yeah. But with I3, it's automatic. You know, one of the big complaints that I had for me in my workflow was the fact that when you click on the applications and it takes over your screen and then your other monitor is gone. Well, there are ways, there are extensions like number one, I took away no top, or I installed no top left hot corner, which removes the hot corner thing because I kept always hitting that thing. And then, uh, you know, I put in no menu, good no menu, I guess you would call it. And that basically kind of moves, gives you a menu option and also a lot of preferences within that tool to give me a normal, what I, what I want in a menu, which is just a kind of menu that's categorized almost like you get in standard KDE or Breeze or something like that. And And so I have, did that take away your, cause you had a problem with you hit the menu and all two screens went. Exactly. Yeah. So that does, that basically removes that issue entirely because now I just have a standard menu. Yeah, the overview still like works. It's just now you have to do it in a different way. Exactly. But the button will now just associate to the menu. And then additionally, to make it even kind of faster, because I was like, well, I'm still not as fast in this, I could say, against any desktop besides i3, as I am in i3 and launching something with like J4 menu or D3 menu or whatever. So what I decided to do was take Synapse. Well, I ended up using Gnome Do. I started with Synapse but moved to Gnome Do. And that allows me to set up a key combination like I do super key D like I would in I3 and I could type an app and it automatically starts coming up, hit enter and boom, I can launch applications really quick. Mm. So in the end, I was able to utilizing extensions, create a workflow that I think is pretty excellent, um, you know, for, for a desktop environment. Again, you've got to use two things that don't necessarily come standard with your Ubuntu installation. You don't have the tweak tool there. You got to go install it in your extensions. They don't really talk about a whole lot, but everybody else does. So you can find them really quick. But once you do that, there's a lot going for the desktop. So is it my favorite? No, but can you make it pretty awesome? Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff within there, especially the work that the team has done. Uh, the community has done with those extensions is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's also one that's really cool that people should try out. It's called a quick close overview. It's something I used to maintain and uh, someone else, when I stopped maintaining extensions, someone else took over and actually does it probably better than me. And it's, it's a cool feature where you can just middle click any of the windows in the overview and it'll automatically close that application. Oh, that's oh, the that's... other thing I love on the, on the global menu. They remove all of the kind of the, minus and full screen buttons and you can just double click on things to minimize in the middle of the title bar instead of having to move your cursor all the way. So when those things are actually faster than your standard desktop, you know, with those type of features installed, which I thought was pretty cool. So do you want Rocco to send you your gnome back? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far yet. I think Rocco's still the number one fan of gnome, but I, I will say that, you know, the, there is a lot there that you can do to make it something. If it's not what you want initially, there's a lot of tools there to make it something pretty cool. And I was really excited that I got it to act like in some ways, like I three, you know, being able to launch menus, uh, launch applications and snap windows very quickly and efficiently yeah. is kind of cool. And being able to launch with keyboard shortcuts, there's a lot of keyboard shortcut options in them. 
uh, allowed me to be pretty efficient as well. And so there's some really cool things there. Now you could do all that with KDE and all that. So I guess at the end of the day, the story is it's pretty close to other things that are out there. And if it's, you like that workflow. I need to try that shell towel again because it last time I tried, it didn't have shortcuts like that. So I want to try those again. Yep. Nice. Very nice. So we have a lot of news for arch this week, Ryan. What do we got? Yahoo, man. I love when we're talking about Arch because, you know, I love me some Arch. <laughs> We've got uh, Arch Labs in the news. So they're going to a 2018.2 in their uh, latest release here. And they've got some changes and improvements that they've put under the hood. Anybody want to take a anybody want to take a swag at some of these changes and improvements here that they've listed? I'm, I'm just on the usual end user um, trail here. So. What what was Go Rice? I've never heard of it. What did Go Rice do for you? Apparently, they don't really. It was kind of just a novelty item, whatever it was, and they're just telling people, "Hey, it was a novelty item, and we're getting rid of it." <laughs> no I don't even yeah. know what Go Rice was either. <laughs> either. Probably a lot of people didn't know what it was, so uh, that was Maybe one thing. To get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just the fact you asked that question is why it's gone. Exactly. So, <laughs> okay, okay. Cool. Yeah. You, so again, this is a bit. Sounds a bit like the gnome um, issue of last week. Lots of little things have been happening in the background, but nothing too major. So it's just tweaking the system from what I'm reading here. Because I mean, other than Openbox has now got some nice improvements, and the, that one thing I always found that was difficult about Openbox was you add a piece of software, and if you then didn't remember to go and rebuild your um, you know, your start button and your menu system, you could never find the the, the thing. So if they're making that easier, then that would be good. I agree. They're a big open box. Arch Labs is kind of, that's kind of their default. And they've done a lot of work in there for their pipe menus and adding additional options to add menus, even if you don't have apps to put into them right away. And, you know, I thought Rocco would be thrilled about the Genie theme receiving some tidying up and visual. Glitches. I'm sure it looks great. Rocco's going to be there to inspect it. I, I don't think that I've seen the genie theme, probably because uh, I'm not a big arch guy, but uh, I'm sure it looks great. I thought of an idea for your videos. You should have a white glove that you kind of like put on before you do a review of somebody's theme, you know? Like, <laughs> we're ready to take a look at Arch Lab's new genie theme. Well, they're, find any in this one. Yeah. they're highlighting some changes to the hello screen. I guess it's the installation and the screens you see, and it it is now a multi-choice screen rather than a paginated multi-screen. So That's word they, you don't hear every day. Yeah, that was like way back, ain't like there was a there was a Firefox add-on that did that for Google Search, ain't anybody what, remember pa- that? Unpaginated. Yeah, I've always called it paginated, but it probably is paginated because it makes more sense because it's pages, but. um Maybe yeah, it is paginated. I, I, I don't know. We say everything use, wrong here on Destination Linux. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna I, have to I, get with the program, Mike. I just I assumed that <laughs> it was paginated, but it probably isn't just because it's pages and it makes more sense to not be. But uh, I use uh, pagination on tons of things. Like I I always kind of like uh, there's a lot of times where it's useful, and sometimes people overdo it, and that, that you got to know when it's when it's useful, when it's not. So. If they don't think it's useful, that's, you know, more than likely they've made a good decision to remove it. All right. Not so, yeah. Brian. Yeah. Eric Dubois. He is the man. 
He is the man. Okay. Him and Dolphin Man, Ike, all the, the those 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 are some of the favorites on the sh- of the show. You know, you know this. We don't we don't make favorites. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we sure as heck do have favorites. Okay, yeah. so um, he finally made it on DistroWatch yeah. with Arch Merch. I mean, what exciting news! I know he didn't really care, right? He's kind of like, hey, you know, I submitted it. It's, it's, if it shows up and it's great, that's just kind of how Eric is, right? He's focused on the product at the end of the day, but it's there. You can now search for it and he's getting good ratings. I think he's like at an 8.8, 8, uh, already for a review of Arch Merge. So people are really, that's out of 10. That's amazing, mm-hmm. right? People are really enjoying it and talking about it. And, but wait, there is major news <laughs> just out this week. I think it was yesterday they came out with it. That they are rebranding Arch Merge, and it is no longer going to be Arch Merge and Arch Merged. It's going to be Arco, Arco Linux. What do you think? I mean, I'm upset because he didn't consult with me, and I'm an official beta. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, All they, these decisions in, should be going through me, Eric. Right. They, they yeah. wanted. He, they he wanted to. Ryan is is disappointed because he wanted to merge his ideas with yours. Right. Yeah. It should be like DOS Merge is what we should have renamed it, you know? <laughs> right, of course. Yeah, put my so, name in there. So my question is, why? Arch Merge was such a good name. What good what name. has forced him to, to, well, not forced him, but what has made him decide he needs to come away from that name? Do we know? Well, after watching the video, there was multiple issues um, that he talked about. And one of those issues had to do with some copyright information, uh, copyright in the name where technically, yeah, uh, tech- Arch Linux name is copyrighted. Yeah, technically, because it says Arch Merge. I don't know how that plays out with other distributions like Arch Labs, Arch Labs. and <laughs> other ones that have Arch in the name. I mean, I don't know if they're, I don't know how that plays out on them, but that was one of the reasons he gives. For changing it into Arco? Well, it could be more like a, a future future proofing thing. So if like let's say Arch Merge gets big enough where it ma- it will matter at some point, then that becomes an issue. So instead of like, instead of you know worrying about it and later, he can just go ahead and change it now and then build that with that name. It's in like the the thing of uh, the Arch the Arch Linux ARM uh, project. They actually are not a part of the Arch Linux project at all. But they requested uh, written permission to use the Arch Linux name. So, like those people, people in like the projects like that that have like direct permission are fine. But there's potential where it 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 could be a problem in the future. So, do you think it was just his popularity? Because looking on DistroWatch, you've got Arch, Arch Bang, Arch Labs, Arch Man, Arch Merge, Arch Strike. Why are they not all changing their name? I I think they're just they might not just be aware that that could be a problem for them in the future. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. they're just not aware of it. But Archbang's been there for years. Yep. Well, yeah, Archbang is 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 a derivative name of Crunchbang on mm-hmm. Arch. So it's like, I I don't know, I don't know if they'd have a problem. Like, if there's, I don't think they'd actually have a problem with it, really. But there are some uh, instances, like let's say, for example, you want to make a shirt. Well, if you want to make a shirt and you go to a company that has like any kind of copyright requirements, and mm-hmm. you have Arch. Linux as a, as part of your name, you have to get permission to do it in order to just make a thing of your own project. So in this case, that he could avoid that entirely. So I mean, it, right. that might be why. I mean, there. I think there's a lot of he, obviously this is going to take a ton of work 
for him to implement. So he's got to have a lot of reasons he feels strongly about because Eric has 288 videos on Arch Merge out there right now that he's going to have to completely rename and at least remove the text. And that's not even going to fix the fact that he says probably Arch Merge multiple times throughout some of those videos. So, you know, it's it's a major undertaking. New websites, mm. new everything. This is a big deal. I mean, obviously, he did a video on why he's changing the name, and he mentioned some things, you know, that it's the, the product has changed quite a bit. There's eight desktops now instead of just three, and he feels the name fits better with the product. But uh, it's a big deal, and, you know, I don't know how that affects his distro watch rankings and all of that. I was that. just about to say, surely he... All again or something. Yeah, he, does he just flip the name and they say, yep, fine, go ahead? Because it's it's the same product, just a different name. Yeah, they should they shouldn't have a problem with it because all, all their their all their data is stored in like ID numbers and stuff, so they don't really care about the names. Well, let's hope so for his sake. Yeah. Um. So Arch translated into many languages often resulted in Arco, which is part of the reason why they picked that name. So it mm-hmm. was either Arco and or, or Arca, and they went with Arco Linux. And the website is arcolinux.info if you want to get some more information, you want to continue following them. Eric does some great work. So arcolinux.info. I was going to say, we were talking at the beginning of the show, we thought it was going to be Arco D, but it's not. It's Arco Linux and Arco Linux D. So he's actually using the the Linux as part of the, the name, whereas you had Arch Merge and Arch Merged. Yeah, we're not we're not having R code. It's Arco Linux D, or Arco Linux D, however you want to pronounce Doesn't it. Doesn't it have to be GNU Linux? <laughs> GNU slash Linux. It's not technically correct unless it has GNU in there. And he also does have a video out there explaining this whole reasoning of mm-hmm. why he's changed. So you can check that out too. Yeah, we'll have to have Eric on again, you know, when he's got an, some more major releases and stuff, and then we'll 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 put him under the spotlight and make him spill the beans on what exactly happened here. Sounds like a plan. All right, so we also have some news of a new Arch distro, Swag Arch. Yeah. What do you think about that? Swag Arch eighteen dot oh three has been released, and if you've got Swag. This might be your distro. <laughs> That's swag. Yeah. I actually covered this on my podcast a couple of months ago and for a pre- another release because like I, the name is fantastic. That's just a fun name, but it's yeah. also like it's a, they, they put a lot of effort into like simplifying and making like nice looking themes for Arch as well. So like wow. the out of the, out of the box experience with swag Arch is a lot better. Like as, mm. as far as like, you know, when you first get into it, you're not, you don't have the arch vibe that you normally would ex- expect. Wait, how did you cover this a couple months ago? If this is just released. No, Swag Arch has been around for a while. Different release. Oh, okay. Like 1711 or 1712 release. I thought this was new. I hadn't heard of it before. Yeah, no, I've used it before. Project. I don't think they've been around for that long. It's, I think they've around for like six months or so. But, yeah, possibly. But the thing I like about it is it doesn't try to do anything too clever. It just gives you an easy Arch install. Yes, they've got some really nice themes, like Michael said, and they've chosen some really cool wallpapers, and I'm sure they've made most of them up themselves because they've they've got swag Arch all over the place. But this was one of the Arch installers that just works. 
I never had a single problem. And unlike Anarchy, it didn't eat my UEFI drive. So I was happy with that. That's good news. That's, that's a good yeah. news. So it's actually quite a good little dish tray. Well, Ryan, you ought to like it because it has XFCE. Well, you know, anybody who uses XFCE obviously gets an A-plus in my book. And uh, Michael, Michael, you should like the guy's name who created it, Mike Kruger. I mean, we all got something to love here. Yeah, Michael, exactly. Michael, XFCE, German. I mean, come on. I, I, he, and he doesn't, he doesn't have to have the same name. He's, he already has swag and therefore automatically. Oh man, nice. So. Well, I like it. It's got the Calamars installer and it's got good themes. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, what's interesting is if, if you look at Mike Kruger, some of his work experience, he has lots of coding experience, which is awesome. I mean, kind of, he has a whole page that tells you what percentage he knows of each language, which is pretty cool. And then, uh, but additionally, you could see he has a heavy focus on art and photography as well. When you actually link to his about page about swag arts, you get to that and you can see some of his photography and art, which means you probably really would like this distro. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, he might have every pixel perfect. Well, it says press F12 to be a hero with the drop down terminal. <laughs> I love the drop down <laughs> terminal, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That is. I don't like that shortcut, but that is the the standard shortcut for everything. That is. We should change that. But anyway, I do. I do like the fact that they like it. it They have a nice theme for everything, but they also add the extra like nerdiness on top with like the drop down terminal and stuff like that. The extra nerdiness on top. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, man. (laughs) Way to describe it. Yeah. So I was going to say, Ubuntu have now. I know they've got to keep their LTSs for a long, long time, but it just seems a bit strange that a month before the new LTS is going to drop, they bring out 1604.4. This is a, this is a thing that they do. Like they actually plan to make the release for 1604.4 to, I think it was like early February or like late January, but the meltdown specter thing caused them to wait. Ah, right. Okay. So it's not normally just like the month before. Right. It's not normally right before. Ah, right. Okay. And they'll, they'll um, probably have another release in like either July or um, August for the the point five. Mm-hmm. So are there then separate teams completely that work on the old LTS and the new LTS? Or how do they manage their workflow? How do they manage their time if they're working on two different LTSs? Well, the, the the LTS for sixteen oh four is mainly just maintenance and bug fixes and things like that. Like, that's probably ten twenty percent of the time they spend for the for the desktop itself. Like, the desktop right. team is focused mostly on the newer versions, and they uh, they go back to the older versions when there's like things that are necessary to fix and things like that. But I'd say the vast majority of the time they're working on new ones. Okay, so the and the the old LTS point releases are just bug fixes. They'll never introduce new features. Right, right. It's just security improvements, uh, bug fixes, things like that. That's mm-hmm. basically cool. that's it, yeah. Because the LTS, like, they don't, the LTS is still, is there, there's always at least, there's always five years support for an LTS for, uh, every right. version. But the, but the, 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 since Fortune of Four, technically, 12 of Four was like three years, I think. Mm-hmm. But the, the five years thing is also not even like a fully just five years. There's also like a commercial, service that someone can have like an extended LTS if they wanted to. So like the, even though 1804 is coming out, they will continue to make uh, 1604 updates and pa- patches when necessary, even uh, when 2004 comes out. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So 
Ubuntu Software Center. I know this is Ryan's favorite topic is software centers. I love software centers. <laughs> all of them are so good. They're all so well done. Everywhere you go is a great software center just waiting to be uncovered. Well, Ubuntu Software Center will soon let uh-huh. you install beta bleeding edge snap apps, if that's your fancy. Well, you know, I like to be on the bleeding edge because I like Arch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, so you'll be able to install any program that has a Snap beta channel alongside of the regular apps. So what do you think, Michael? I think this is awesome. Like, for multiple reasons. Um, one, some people have problems with even figuring out if it's a Snap or not in the the store. So, the, like, <laughs> this will imply that it's if you, if you can select a channel, it's definitely a Snap. So... There you go. Um, Sorry, I had a cough there. Now, is there going to be some type of indicator anywhere? Do you know that shows that this is a, uh, you know, like if for your installed software? I are you, are you talking about which channel you're on, Rocco? Yeah. Well, because, yes. There's going to be a little switch, so when you go to install it, it'll actually have a drop down that shows you channel option, stable candidate beta and edge and then you can also revert back so let's say you chose edge and you're like this is way too edgy for me <laughs> you go back <laughs> i want stable and switch to stable version of it as well so it'll have an actual toggle in the store and that's really the big change very nice you used Technically, to they could do it in the actually install all four at the same time if you want yeah. that's why that's no another reason why snaps are great okay yeah. so if you installed all four at the same time is there How would they tell you in the menus? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think they've actually announced that they're gonna like. They should just say have parentheses what channel this one is for. That would that would solve it completely. And that way, the main one doesn't have a parentheses at all because it's automatically you assume the stable one's the main one. Right. Well, uh, is there any I, indication no. in the in the software center now that shows that it's a Snap app rather than a regular app? Not that I've seen. <laughs> But to be fair, most of the time I use snaps, it's in the command line. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Ryan. So in some aspects, <laughs> well, um, I usually use the terminal to install a snap app too. I just, it just came up in my, you know, random things come up in my head once in a while, you know? Naturally. So, uh, I was just wondering if there was a distinction in the software center between. Well, a snap app. I don't, I, don't think there, I, don't, I don't think it shows you whether it's a snap or a deb or anything, but it, it used to be where if you install the the snap, it automatically takes precedence over the deb. So mm-hmm. that that might be like so if you install the snap, it's automatically a snap, unless right. you uh, manually activate the deb version. So so bringing in some of these new features, that does that mean they're not going to fix some of the old ones that don't work? Because, I mean, I've seen lots of Ubuntu software, and you go onto the web page, and it gives you a great description, and it says, click here to install it. It never works. It's See, meant to bring up the software center and take you to the app and go, here we go, I'm going to install it. What browser do you use? Um, Chrome. There you go. There's one. <laughs> Okay, and I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. That's that's legitimately why. Because Firefox is the default for Ubuntu's uh, distro. So they built a protocol of apt colon slash slash that works in Firefox because they put it in there. It doesn't exist in Chrome because you have to put that in there. So unless you have that protocol set up in Chrome, it can't work. So that's that's why that's why you've 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 never seen that work before. The app linked all its purposes is to open this uh, the software center or the Ubuntu software app 
with the direct link to that application. That's all it's for anyway. So uh, that it's just more of a shortcut than anything else. But I, it's kind of like a, a, it's a thing that they, I made a video a long time ago that kind of said, why are they not just using the web version of their store? Cause it was, it was really good for years and the software center, the old software center was awful, but um, they, there's really no reason that they, they've never given a reason why they, they it, it seems like they've abandoned the website for the, the web version of the Ubuntu software store. Cause I, I don't think it's been updated in a while. At least the last time I checked it, it was like, you know, not, not since 1404 or something. So I think they just, I think it's just li- like lingering on. Cause Bodhi seemed to have a good web, web interface installing like web store or software yeah. store. Yeah. There's so, is nice. But as far as the uh, Chrome situation, the, the apt URL thing, I, I don't think that you can actually customize or register protocols inside of Chrome so that it might, there might be an extension for it, but I don't, I don't know. But as far as like the built in, I don't think it's possible. Oh, okay. Let's move away, Rocco, from stuff that doesn't work and move into something that always works. That, that always works perfectly. You mean like a Ubuntu Mate? Like XFCE yeah. 4.14. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. You know, people give XFCE a hard time sometimes. <clears throat> sometimes. Oh, and uh, well, that's ridiculous because it happens to have be one of the most stable and amazing desktop environments out there, undeniably. And they are working on 4.14. But there's one problem. There's one thing that people, you know, give XSCE some some beatings over, and that's its long release cycle. Of course, that's why it's always so stable too. But 4.14 it's already supposed to be out based on their normal release cycle for XFCE. It should already been out, but it's delayed. What do you think? I'd say they don't really have a normal release cycle, but uh, shut up. they've made a lot of progress on it. I'll give them credit for that. Cause it's like the amount of people who work on XFCE is, is like maybe four and they all do it in their spare time and stuff. So like the amount of work they put into it, is like significant for the amount of people and the amount of time that they've had it. They've, they're available to put into it, and they're not. It's not like there's there's no company behind it, so it's just them yeah. doing it whenever they, they want, whenever about, they have the time to do it. I don't know, maybe about four core people, but they have about fifteen contributors total, and they do a lot of work I mean, here. The core people, yeah, they do a lot of work here to you know port this over to GTK three, which is yeah. taking all the time. It's and, a huge task too huge undertaking for them and they're about 95% complete right now. So um, they're also working on hundreds of different bugs and little reports and things on all of the various products like XF desktop, Dunar and other things, Dunar. So, I mean, there's just a lot of work going into it, but 95% is promising. That means soon we'll be able mm-hmm. to play with this thing. So I my, only fear is, ish. my only fear is when is GTK four coming out? Um, we don't know. There's really no, there's Gnome doesn't really give information about that kind of thing. They only do like the point release information, but uh, so it's it not imminent. technically matter. Um, because the, the, the Gnome, the reason why the Gnome 3, the Gnome 2 thing was so like, was such a, a, a point to make about XFCE was because Gnome 2 was deprecated. Because Gnome decided to just kill GTK2 and, G- and Gnome 2 like outright. And then go straight to Gnome 3. They learned their lesson this time. 
and they're not going to kill GTK three. So, so even if the GTK four comes out, that GTK three will still be heavily used for at least a couple years or so before the GTK four thing comes out, because we you can guarantee GTK four will have massive breakage at least for the few versions, for few first few versions, because the GNOME team have said that that's going to happen. They're going to break APIs when they switch. So the vast majority of desktops, even things like Cinnamon and Mate and everything else, will stay with GTK3 more than likely, at least for a while. Now, they talk a lot here about the modularity of XFCE. Mm. Um, does that mean that you can, if you're clever enough, have a mixture of the two components, the GTK2 and the GTK3? If yeah, you know you what you're doing, yeah. you can, yeah. It's not a good idea for the desktop itself to do that. That's why there's, that's why they've been switching it over, but it is possible technically to do it. It's just, uh, as far as like applications, it's fine to do that. There's no problem with that. Like even Firefox was GTK2 for, I think, I think they switched to GTK3 just like six months ago or something. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I used to give XFC a really hard time and haven't I mean, used to. Used to. I did. I, I gave it a, a very hard time. But after having Sean Davis on the show and talking to him and actually get you, when you see the faces behind what's going on, you get yeah. to realize it's not just a program. It's not just a, you know, something that's there. It's people actually putting in time and effort and work into it. So I can't, I can't bust on it anymore. Yeah. Uh, Sean, remember who's loved you from the beginning. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But also, actually, Sean Davis does make a really awesome feature. Uh, and, and it's an XFC thing, but it's mostly in like Zubuntu, but other things use it. Uh, have you heard of Menu Libre? Awesome. Mm-hmm. It, Sean Davis makes Menu Libre. It is fantastic. It is easily the best GTK menu editor that in existence. And the fact that they just released the newest version that has Plasma support, that's pretty cool. So, like, very it, nice. you know, there, there are things that, that they are making that e- even people who are like a lot of people are using it, even if they don't even know that. So elementary and system 76 announced that they are going to team up for an encryption uh, by default for pop OS and also potentially for elementary OS. So what it's going to do is is going to set up like a lot of times when you install a distro, that'll give you an option. Would you like to encrypt your di- encrypt your disk? Like by, by by your home home directory or the entire thing, and instead of doing that, this is going to automatically have it encrypted by default, uh, which is actually quite difficult to do, and that's why they don't have the checkbox in the first place. So they, they like having it automatically assume that it's going to work is typically not a good idea for Disha to do. So the fact that they're putting their effort into making this work like just by default, specifically for now on System76 hardware. And with Pop OS, but in the future, uh, Cassidy from technically from both from both System76 and Elementary said that there is potential that the Elementary team will adopt some of this code to make it work. So that's pretty awesome. I have never encrypted uh, any drive that I've installed. I've I've actually never tried it. As many as installs that I have done, I've never tried encrypting the drive. I always felt leery about it you know thinking oh well if, you know if i mess something up i won't be able to get back to my documents because i used to use an encryption program when i was on a different operating system and just so you True know crypt? if axcrypt actually um if you forget the password you can't get your files back 
Yeah. Yep. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So change your password, sometimes that messes, messes it up too. So yeah. I've never actually tried encryption, but obviously with System76, with their computers and selling them to whoever, governments and whatnot, they, are, they need that option and they need it in the installer. So I think it's great. I think it's great that they're teaming up together to make it happen. I think that's the best news out of this whole thing is seeing the partnership between companies within Linux, you know, seeing people work together towards a solution. And the solution they came up with is really kind of genius, right? Because you've got this problem like you described where you want to ship the computer to the end users and you want it to be mostly set up. And so the system admins don't have to sit there and get a USB and download an ISO and then install the operating system. But if you do that, if you set it up for them before you ship it to them, then they don't have the option to choose whether to encrypt or not. So what's happening today is they're sending the computers out and the admins, even though it's already pre-set up, are wiping the computer with, you know, using a USB like any of us else and redoing the entire install. So somebody within these geniuses here was like, hey, we've got a recovery partition. So let's just ship it so that it boots in the recovery partition, which means as soon as you boot it, you're basically going through the full installation path. Pretty simple solution. But now it allows everyone to have that option to choose the encryption and they're going to make it a lot more clear and kind of apparent in the installation during the installation screen of why encrypting is so important so that more people are choosing it and not skipping it. Yep. But are you going to be forced to use it if you use Pop OS? No. You so always have the option to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they, you, you can, I think they have a, they have a choice by default. It's on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'd be better. Yeah, it's like Rocco. The whole I've never opt, done it. The whole opt out thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we've done that one to death over the last two weeks. In this case, opt out is perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I don't think anybody has a problem with it. Well, they're talking about trying to ship this with uh, the next iteration of Elementary, which would be Juno, and mm-hmm. that's the goal anyway. They don't know if they're going to get there. They, you know, their their motto is "do it when it's ready," but the goal is to get it in Juno. We'll see. We'll see, indeed. Um, now, talking of seeing, apparently they're also going to be updating HI DPI. Now, one of the th- things that I've always found confusing because I've got a, a 4K monitor, um, and I wouldn't have bought a 4K monitor if I didn't want that much information on my screen. So to see somebody saying, okay, yeah, I've got this great 4K 29-inch monitor, but I want to blow everything up by 300%. Don't go 4K if you can't see it on the screen. (laughs) What is, I just don't get it. I've got 4K and as I say, I can see everything perfectly and I don't ever mess around. And it really annoys me when the other OS, when you first boot up, you'll run 300%. So you've now got Fisher-Price icons on your desktop it's your price <laughs> if you can't see the desktop don't go 4k yeah so i don't understand why it's well it's also you a need. density problem a density thing um it's it's more like uh, some people get 4k because they want to have um they want to have like this more space real screen screen real estate like you do there's also mm-hmm. people who want to have it because it's it's more crisp because like Video is more crisp. Uh, gaming's more crisp, but, but it's more crisp because there's more 
uh, content that can be pushed in those, in the pixels. So, uh, that's, that's kind of why they're, they're like, that's a problem because, um, if, if the dist, if the desktop environment doesn't compensate for that or the system itself doesn't compensate for that in some way, there could be parts where it's gorgeous and then other parts where it's just like broken completely. So like that would be off putting, I think, for a lot of people if, if they're, if they're not looking for the screen real estate anyway. But in all of the distros I've ever found, I've never had that problem. Everything has always been crisp and clear, and you can see everything. But you're right. You've just got this huge real estate in front of me where you yeah. can have six Word documents open and, and read them full screen or A4 size instead of just three or two. See, I've so, been doing it wrong the whole time. I thought the purpose of 4K was so that you go to Starbucks and tell people you had a 4K monitor. <laughs> you go to oh, Starbucks? That's the only reason I want it. Of course, man. You go to Starbucks with your MacBook. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it's good that they've recognized that there is a problem out there and they're going to be trying to solve it in, in some of their updates soon. So more, more kudos to them. They seem to be understanding the needs of their customer base. There are some times where applications also don't oh, like obey the settings by default. So like they'll, they'll detect that you have high DPI and then try to use it. Um, like the, like the application itself, try to do it where it doesn't do it well or something like that. So if like the, the desktop environment solves that up front, you wouldn't have to worry those kind of things. So like, you know, either way, it's really good that they're doing it, especially since they're doing it in a, a daemon approach that is possible that they could, you know, other people could benefit from the work they're doing for it. Mm. Yep. Well, along with the, the daemon release that they're going to do, they're also making updates to the installer. So the installer will now allow illustrations to pop up on the screen or pop up in the installer while you're reading your information or entering your information. So they're making a lot of, a lot of good, uh, headway over at system 76. Making things Pop-O's. prettier. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And no, but I think that's the uh, elementary influence, isn't it? Cause elementary is very pretty by default. Well, having them work together is going to create a really beautiful baby, if you will, right? Kind one of like of the, the Brangeli uh, uh, combination or something. Yeah. <laughs> one of the employees. <laughs> They're the Brangeli of Linux. No, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> so uh, one of the employees of System76 is Cassidy, and he actually works. Uh, he's like, I don't know if he's a co-founder, but he's one of the main developers for elementary, so it's kind of perfect. Nice. But you know what's really perfect is when DOS Geek goes and gets something, it gets the attention of major corporations all around the world. Google freaked out when they saw my videos on the Chromebook, and they said, you know what? This guy is really onto something, and we're going to bring more Linux into Chrome OS, and we're going to do it right now. And so that is what Google is hard at work doing. They they are putting more Linux within Chrome OS. So as you guys know, Crouton is the thing, Right. Sure. And the sure. problem with Crouton, though, is when you are installing it, it creates a vulnerability with the hardware. So what are, what are they? I want you to tell people, Rocco, what are they doing here? What are they doing? I have yeah, no what, idea. Well, it's, it's called Croutini. <laughs> How dare you? Zeb, what are they doing here? Well, apparently they're going to allow you to run Linux virtual machines. Easier. Yeah, man. That's right. What do you think, Michael? Uh, it's cool. I mean, it's it's nice to have ability to use like actual. Oh, it's cool. It's cool. It's just the most popular laptop on the market. It's gonna run Linux in a virtual machine. What is bucks. wrong with you people? But but what value is that adding to them? 
Like, why why is this a big thing? Why are they concerned about running Linux in a containerized virtual machine? I think it destroys any opportunity for something like, which they're already destroying, don't get me wrong, but any opportunity for something like a Windows S or other low-end laptop to really come in because one of the main features of having a Windows S laptop is it's cheap like a Chromebook, number one, and you can upgrade it essentially and get these full apps or you could, you could use the actual app store and use things like office and all that on a Chromebook. You're, you know, a lot of things are web-based. Of course, the newer mm-hmm. Chromebooks at least have the play store, but of course the whole point of crouton, once you add crouton in there, now you have access to real apps, but you got the security issue. I think Google seeing this, they're like, Hey, we're going to allow you to run all the real apps that you could get within Linux in basically a VM instance container. And because of that, now you're going to have full application access to things like GIMP, Krita, all of these very powerful tools within the framework of Chrome OS, making it just as powerful as anything Windows has on the market. It's a huge threat. I think it's amazing. So how's that going to work in your wonderful new Chromebook with a 16 gig SSD? I don't have 16. I got 64 and they're expensive. You have. You have, yeah, but yeah. a lot of people out there will just have the barest minimum. Well, then so they would they you... would put an SD card in it, the micro SD card. And run the Linux virtual machine off of that, yeah? Yep. I mean, because okay. all the Chromebooks, as far as I know, unless you know different, but everyone I've ever seen has a micro SD expandable slot for you to put in. And, of course, those things go up to ridiculous amounts of gigabytes at this point. Um, so I would imagine you could move all that software over onto that. But Maybe will they run as quick? Question. Yeah, the, the only thing I have about it, the only thing I'm curious about is is whether this applies to the x86 and the ARM Chromebooks or just the x86 Chromebooks because the ARM Chromebooks, you're limited to what applications actually work on ARM. And the yeah. most useful part of the Chromebooks is the ARM versions because they have the big, the longest battery lives and stuff like that. So, like, they're they're... This is cool that I'm, I'm glad they're doing it, you know, cause you can finally use applications rather than just a browser. That's, you know, it only took them you know, a couple of years or so. Shut but up, like, Michael. It's, <laughs> 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 but it is cool that they're finally doing it. Uh, I just, I'm just curious, like how they're going to approach the fact that like not every application works on ARM anyway. So it, that just, that, that seems, um, that, that, I, w- I hope they come out with the information about how that's going to work soon. Cause I, I like that they're thinking like. Linux more and more, yeah. and that's cool. Yeah. Maybe so not even mean, more and more, but they're continuing to think Linux. Let's put it that way. So does that mean Ryan's only got 20 more months left out of his Chromebook before it becomes obsolete? I, no, mine will definitely be compatible with this, and if it's not, I will throw it at the Google headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> and if it is, he's going to take it to Starbucks. Well, yeah. look. Google's not the only one thinking about Linux right now. So Samsung, obviously, this has been out for a while about what they're doing or what they want to do. But there was a uh, a video that came out showing Linux running on a Samsung. Which it's pure fire, man. I thought it was awesome, dude. And, you know, I mean, we've <laughs> talked about it for months and we've talked about convergence. And, we've, and it was just awesome to see it in action. To see it go from the phone, and then I think in the video it was running sixteen oh four point three LTS. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So amazing to see how it can actually play out because you can talk about it, but when you visually see it, you get it. And I don't know. 
Is this something you guys want? This is a big freaking deal. They didn't decide to boot Chrome OS with a Samsung phone here, right? I mean, Samsung is Android. They didn't decide. Samsung did not decide to boot Chrome OS, which would have been a natural, easy transition for them to accomplish this just as well and partner with Google and get that done. They're going for a full Linux distribution on here. This is so fire. I mean, it makes me want a Samsung again, and I haven't said that in a really long time, let me tell you. But there's so many use cases for this. If you're a traveling or you're a mobile developer, you're working in different places, if you have your 4K monitor, you want to show it off in Starbucks? I'm oh, sorry. Zip. <laughs> You've got so many use cases for this, and Samsung's thinking Linux, and that's why I'm starting to love some Samsung up in here. I'm going to have to buy some more Samsung products. So, Zeb, is this going to interest you? Um, it will be a novelty rather than something I must have. Um, yes, it'll be, but then can't you already put your phone onto the big screen anyway? Um, and I thought that Samsung were going to be using their own version of Linux that we all thought was rubbish. Michael, help me with these people. It's, it's great that they're, that they're using like uh, just a regular distro and not their own. Um, but it, it is, it is pretty cool. If we're going to talk about convergence, I think the, the idea of having your, your desktop is still on the phone, but it's a different interface and it's a different thing entirely. They just like save files together. I think that's a really cool approach too. So I agree. I, this is so- a fantastic way of doing it because you don't, instead of, they've done this with phones before. There have been phones out there where it boots, you can, dock it basically and it boots into android this is actually like eight years ago i think they had a device that Mm -hmm. did this but android you're kind of stuck in that same you're just using your phone blown up right and Mm -hmm. got all the limitations that a phone has this is different this is if you're a developer code developer web designer anybody doing serious work you now have all the power of linux and full applications not little play store toy applications at your disposal to be able to complete this work and do that on the go, especially if you're traveling. This is a big deal, man. So I have a Samsung uh, Galaxy S8 Plus. Is this going to run on mine? So it should work, but you'll need to get the Samsung DeX, uh, which that's the name of the dock. You'll get that one too. So it doesn't work without the dock. They haven't really set a price, but it's looking at probably about 300 So is this going to replace Android? No, this is like using, you'll have an Android phone that when you dock it, it becomes Ubuntu or something like that. But your files will be shared between the two. So like all your home folders and stuff will be like, you you won't, you'll be able to use the, like if you save a file, you you do something on an app, save it into your SD card, then you plug it into the DeX, then you get access to that file on a desktop. Right. So it'll only be available via the decks you won't be able to use ubuntu on your samsung phone walking down the street well they haven't said that you can't but more than likely yeah you can't more than likely but technically it is possible that they could do a punch touch or something with that but that's i think their approach is mainly just like android for the phone ubuntu for the desktop use the samsung phone itself as like like a, like a storage mechanism for ubuntu when you plug it into the dock the dock becomes like the power section so like it'd be mm-hmm. like all the like the extra hardware that you need for a desktop would be theoretically stored in the dock. Imagine this: you go to a hotel, 
you go over to a friend's house, whatnot. You could you could literally take this device, take the dock, plug it into the hotel TV. Now you have a full computer. The only thing you had to carry with you is an external Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, and you're good to go. You've got a full computer, Firefox, Thunderbird, Terminal, Eclipse, GLX, Gears, GIMP, Sublime Text, Atom, whatever of the main software you're developing on is now there, boom, ready to go. When you're done, you just pull your phone, unplug it, take your phone with you. If you download something that works sent you, Michael sends me a file, whatever, I download it on my Android device. When I go to plug it back in, it syncs the files between the two. I can still continue to use it within either Android or the Ubuntu. I mean, this is just, this is a really mm. cool idea, man. So is there any additional storage on this Dex or is that, again, or it's all in your phone where you're going to keep all this? I don't think they've said said either one. I don't think they've actually mm-hmm. like it's given any specifics about that. I would assume that there's a little bit on the decks. There's probably like extra storage there, but you mm-hmm. you'll still use the storage on your phone. They might give you extra in the decks. But like uh, I'm curious, like the terminal, how would the terminal work on? Like, could you use the terminal on desktop to affect the contents of the Android hmm. side? That'd be pretty That's cool. Question. Yeah, the terminal on Android is painful. <laughs> Sounds like it's one of these. Watch this space, see what comes out. Yeah. So, Rocco, guess what? What? I love apps like Evernote, but I don't use Evernote specifically. But I like apps like that. I just want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. And our next story talks about apps like that. Okay. Now, I personally, and and this was a big deal during 30 days of Linux thing where people were giving me a bunch of different options because I needed a cloud-based note-taking organization app. I need something like that. And I use Simple Note. It's my absolute favorite. But we're not covering I, Simple Note. Well, the, the reason why I use Simple Note is because Evernote <laughs> and Tusk and all of these cool things didn't exist back then. <laughs> but guess what? There's more. <laughs> Today, you can use Evernote through a application called Tusk to use Evernote. Does that make sense? No. Use Tusk no. to use Evernote. But, That's kind of how it works. But it's it a, is a, a Tusk snap front-end client for the back end of Evernote. There you go. That's kind of a little better said. Tiny bit better. Tiny. But Tusk is actually like the nice is a, I like Tusk because it's, you can customize it and it looks good and they have like different theming and stuff like that. So Rocco automatically likes it. Automatically. Um, automatically. Yep. Yeah. So what's really cool about it is that it's like the best way to utilize electron framework is the Tusk approach because the Tusk approach is like take something that's already good. It's already web based and then make a desktop version for you. That's, you know, accessible and works well without having to like rebuild native things. Like a native application really wouldn't work for Evernote anyway. So this is like the, a really good implementation of why you would use Electron. Cloud-based note-taking is one of the most important tools that in the last couple of years that have absolutely become part of my workflow and having them within Linux is so important. And I told you, Rocco, every time I do a distribution, the first thing I install is Simple Note. And that's so I can start taking notes on fixes and bugs and issues and the good things and the bad. So I can go back and remember them later on. Do you use anything like this? Well, I've tried all of them. Okay. So I used to use Evernote. I have a, you know, a Simple Note thing, but I don't keep using them. I have them. I have an account. I put things in them. And it's almost, to me, 
I am so not used to using them as a regular app that I end up, it's like a drawer where you just throw stuff and you hide it and you, and that's it. And it's, <laughs> you never go back in that drawer. You need to make a note to self. Use more notes. Right? Yeah, well, it's kind of like bookmarks. Put it sticky on your desktop. I have like four billion, three hundred, you know, million whatever bookmarks and I yeah. don't use any of them hardly. You use 12 of them maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, so it's like, it, and note taking apps are, are kind of the same way. I guess they would be better if I got into the habit of using them more, but I'm just not in the habit right now. You know, I distro so much and eventually come full circle back to a distro I've used before. <laughs> and the whole advantage is when you go back to that distro, by the time you get back around to it, you've forgotten, like, how do I get NVIDIA drivers to work in this distro? Or how do I do, you know, this simple thing? And having simple note there, and I actually organize it, and you could do this in Evernote uh, as well, organize it by section so i have a you know debian based distros i have arch based distros and all organized in how i you know and bugs and fixes and patches and workarounds and that type of stuff which helps me kind of keep organized so rocco here's what i'm telling you you better start using one of these right now well look with this new <laughs> tusk app it's now a snap it's got yeah. new improved themes which hey uh-huh. i like new and improved themes there you go. Uh, improved tray icon integration on Linux and all kinds of other different options that, you know, maybe I will try it. I don't know. I like it. But then that takes the fun out of winging it. <laughs> and then coming back three weeks later and exactly, trying to wing it again because so. you've forgotten. Because otherwise that makes you the train spotter of Hopatitis, Ryan. <laughs> if you've got all these notes, you're like, oh, yes, I remember this one. Where's, where's my number? Where's my engine number? Yeah, but think about all the work that was given to you recently to help you in Telegram. And if you take those notes and store them in Simple Note or Evernote in this case, then you that know is six months use. from now when you hop again, you'll be able to go back and go, "How did he help me with that again?" Oh yeah, he I'll just this. ask him again. He remembers <laughs> it. I don't. <laughs> That's the easy way. You find someone who's good, so you never bother to learn. You just remember him, so you can go and ask him again. Well, listen. I, I think Rocco's got the right attitude. Zeb, you're in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, so, um, Zeb, do you use any note taking at all? Like, would you? Absolutely none. Okay. It reminds me too I, much I, I of never prison. Have done. I never have taken notes. I mean, there's all these people at work who make these to do lists. So I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll make to do lists. Now, if I go back through my Outlook, three years, there'll be about 254 to-do lists that I forgot to go back to. So I never never do them. So, you never to-do them. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I'm at work, I have, you know, really long lists that I make to do things. And, and I do use that kind of thing at work. But when I'm at mm-hmm. home, I don't have that same flow, discipline, discipline yeah. whatever you want to call it. And I'm in the same boat as that, where I have, you know, done a thousand things that would have helped a ton if i would have wrote down notes for them i just don't do it i just don't yeah so i i built my own custom to-do system and it's awesome um and then so snap it up come on let's well, get hold of it well to be fair it was awesome for me because it was like specific to my workflow and i liked it and then i found something better and i don't use my thing anymore uh i found something called Canboard. 
And have you ever have you ever heard of a Kanban system or you ever use Trello? I, I don't use Trello, but I mean, I know, you know, it's, it's out there and what it is. Okay. Well, there's, there's a, the Kanban system is basically like, instead of a to-do list where it's just like one list and blah, blah, it's like column based. So you have a, you have a, you have a, an, a list here, a list here, a list here. And it's like, you know, is, I need to do this currently in progress, done stuff like that. So with can, Kanboard is basically an open source, self-hostable Kanban system. And it's, it's my favorite because it's, it's so easy to use and it's so easy to set up and you can, you can basically provide your own cloud based Trello with this thing. And by default, it looks kind of, it, it, it doesn't have the best theming, but then it's functionally out. it's fantastic. That's out then. <laughs> I have changed it so it theming is okay. So, you know, there's, there's, it has a lot of potential. So anyway. That's that's my that's my solution is do to do list system, Kanban style, and self host it. Best of both worlds without having to worry about someone having my content. So moving on from not taking notes, um, we've now got two interesting articles about Firefox because they're going to be focusing on different things in the in the up, upcoming releases. So the first one is on privacy and security, and I don't own a tinfoil hat. So these don't bother me. I just, it's like people have VPNs. Why? Yeah. It just slows you down. If you're that worried about what people are finding out about you, unplug the cable from the back of the computer. You walk out your house, you go down the high street. Someone is going to be watching you. Someone's going to be recording what you're doing. You're going into the shop. You're buying stuff with a credit card. Someone's got information from you. So what does it matter that they've just seen you go to Toys R Us on the web browser? If you have Windex sprayed on your aluminum foil uh, hat, then they can't record you <laughs> while you're going out <laughs> into the stores and their cameras are completely invalidated. Look, I think that this is, you know, that there are individuals who take privacy and security to the point where you can't have any fun. Like you said, just unplug everything and you know, go live off the grid inside the woods in a tent. And that's how they take their security. There are other people who just want more of a balance. And I think Firefox is giving you that. They're not doing anything here that takes any additional time to set up or really to do. They're blocking these annoying, mm -hmm. these annoying requests. Yes. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's like every yeah. website you go to now wants to do this pop-up notification asking you, can I have uh, access to send you notifications? That's the yeah. normal one I see. I don't see many that ask for I, see, I, I heavily see the location one. Yeah, the location, yeah. Click, no. Click, no. It's just, I'm just sick of part of the it. internet. I get Ooh. more of those than I would regular ads. Yep. <laughs> just the way it is lately. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. It's actually become abusive in my opinion. And here's what happens in web development. You know, generally like when ads first started – you know, there were little ads over to the side and you barely kind of noticed they were there. And if you wanted, you'd look. Then they started putting them in the middle of the page. Then they started exploding with full moving trucks and vans and sound playing and blaring. Yes, Michael, you're probably one who did this and invented no, this crap. I was laughing but, because the guy who invented pop-up <laughs> ads apologized. But this is kind of what's happening with, <laughs> you know, what can happen with this type of stuff is not right now. It's a little bar that pops up and is like, hey. Do you want to turn on notifications tomorrow? It's a giant truck driving across my screen. 
and people screaming and flailing and you're trying to get rid of it and you click and you already accepted it and now you get notifications every time you open your browser. So kudos <laughs> Firefox 59 for doing this, man. I agree. Those are the, I, I, I really hate that I can't just tell them, no, I don't want you to ask. I will never give you my location to a website that doesn't, that I'm looking to buy ice cream from. We've got pop-up blockers. So why doesn't somebody invent a location blocker? They and just it's just did. something you turn off. You can, In, but it's like this is a lot better because you can do it. You don't have to, like this can be done by anyone as long as they just use the browser. You don't have to worry about trying to explain them to install an an extension or an add-on to make it work. Yeah, I'm sure there is uh, in the about config settings things to turn off the locations. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. It's just you got to know. I mean, what you could really mess things up in the about config if you're not if you're not sure what you're doing. Yeah, they even yeah. warn you. Like, are you sure? Yeah, I'll, I'll be careful. <laughs> do I promise. <laughs> you, yeah, but you how have many to times? Promise to not mess it up. <laughs> but the thing is, though, if you've used it enough times now, you know that's there. You never read it. You just go tick yes, get out of my way. I want to do what I want to do. Sure. So those sort of like, are you sure? But I think it's more like the people pointless. who are just like you know just using the just using the browser and don't. They would like to have a way to to stop it, but they're not going to deal with the about config because it's. They they might be worried. They don't want to do it. You know, a tad too complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now so, this next feature maybe Zeb is a little more into the tinfoil hat stuff, but not not too far into it. Well, okay. So Firefox sixty will let users disable sync. If you didn't want to sync, why did you sign up for it? <laughs> <laughs> I think what they're saying here is that they. Sorry, they but... that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> um. I think they don't want even the option being there for certain for, and I think this may be more corporate America style installations where they don't even want the end users to have the option to set up sync or to get that. They don't even want them to see it. Um, and most yeah. likely some type of secure mm. government facility, something like that, where they want to lock it down a little bit. That's an interesting point um, for the, the, the like the, the company based stru- structure. They don't want to risk someone sinking out of the, like what they're doing. Cause maybe it's like their private, like privacy, privacy concerns, but uh, I actually don't use sync and I've never tried to even use it. So I, it'd be nice for me if I could just disable it. Cause I have no intention of using it. Yeah. But just well, ignore it. It's not that even, do if you don't it. sign up for it, you don't have to click it. But I, I do can now it, understand it, it, why it, it shows up when every time I click, uh, you know, just show the, the, the settings or the customize is always, it's always there. It's always asking me, do I want to sync? Like, no, I don't. Let me ask you something, Michael. Has the aluminum foil on your windows uh, reduced your heat bill? Well, this is not a privacy concern, sir, or a security concern. It's just I don't care if they sync to my phone or not because I actually prefer to have them separate anyway because I don't use my phone enough to care if they're to, if they're synced. So and aluminum have, like, foil blankets, that. do they reflect the government signals going to your brain? <laughs> well, I don't have to worry about reflecting. I'm, well, I use like the carbon fiber, so it just like disperses it. Nice, right. nice, nice. Love it. Well, it's also part of the tour developers were interested in having a way to hide this because they don't want their users accidentally hitting it. So I don't know how yeah. you would accidentally enable this because you have to sign up for an account. Oh, I'm accidentally <laughs> signing in. Here's my accidental maybe, username. I guess yeah. maybe they mean if you already yeah. have an account, but you on tour and you don't want to sync that account so maybe then if you accidentally maybe. hit it but you accidentally signed in with your username and password <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be using tour in the first place if that's the kind of accident you make yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah yeah 
But I mean, that, that reminds me of a, a, a strange story I had when I was younger working for a guy. Um, and we, we get frequent road stops in the UK. And he would always say, no, I'm not answering your questions. Mind your own business. Driving around in a car with a number plate, TM1. So everybody knew it was him anyway. <laughs> so if he was worried about people knowing where he was going, nice. take your personalized number plate off your car. He's got a vanity plate, but wants privacy. Love it. Yeah. Vanity plate with his name on it. And, and, and that's a bit like, you, you know, you want to go on the internet, but you don't want everybody to know where you're going. Right. It's almost impossible to do. It's really, really difficult to cover every footprint. I think, I think it's, it's fair to say that, you, you know, it's, it's impossible to block it entirely, but I, I still uh, think that we should totally like at least care. Yes, you should care because it's not yeah. just about, you know, tinfoil hats or anything. And we, you know, we've discussed this a lot of times, but it's more about, why they should have access to the information. It's not about, oh, I'm going somewhere like me. I'm not going anywhere that I need to hide. But the point is, why do they need to know? Yeah. So most of the time when people are who ask you for your location on the web, it's like when Google Maps or like OpenStreetMaps ask me for my location. Hey, that makes sense because it's a map. But I don't need any some random website that will just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some news articles. Hey, can we know? No, you can't know. No, that's ridiculous. And and the other thing about this is if you don't push back in any way, then after a while, it is just going to slide right down a hill where they, it will be a, you know, a society where everything is recorded, everything. I mean, yeah, it's getting there now, but if you got to push back a little bit so that it doesn't just go full blown and all the doors are open and people that maybe people have access to your data right now, but maybe people you might not want to have access to your data may have it later if there's no pushback to it. So that's my that's take. That's a good point. I have yeah. access to Rocco's browser history. He does. Sippycup.com. Cup, he's on. He's ordering four Sippy Cups. <laughs> okay, did we cover why you're talking about Sippy Cups? Because if we didn't, we should probably let people know why. Well, you, you have a tendency to spill things. <laughs> So if we didn't cover it before, right before the episode, I spilled coffee on my keyboard. And Rocco's the kind of guy you take to McDonald's and put a bib on him. And now I need a new keyboard because my keyboard just decided to stop working. Now, wait. Now, I've been having trouble with this keyboard in the past week. Okay. And yeah. I spilled the Yeti cup on the keyboard so it's not like this was a full-blown cup of coffee that went all over the keyboard it was probably a sip of coffee that came out of this yeti it was cup. a little splash i mean it was a splash no lie it was a little splash and for whatever reason the keyboard just stopped working so, so. let's talk about your um, loyalty to logitech now are we thinking about maybe changing that loyalty a little bit maybe it was misplaced <laughs> maybe just a thought a little bit um i am loyal i'm not loyal to logitech <clears throat> I am loyal mm -hmm. to things that are awesome and have great features. And that's, like, that's, made well. that's like, that is Logitech products. They are usually. Oh, yeah. A little, a little dribble of coffee breaking it. High quality. <laughs> wait. But my kind of keyboard. Wait. One of the Zowie mice that I got, <clears throat> the thumb buttons on them can move oh, up and down, not mm -hmm. just in and out. They move up and down. So. Every company, no matter how good the quality is, can have yeah. a defective product. So I'm and just going to leave it at that. This one was very susceptible to coffee. 
This one was very <laughs> susceptible to not working. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's yeah. why we're ordering you a sippy cup. Yeah, that's why the sippy cup's there. So, yeah. so if so as uh, Will Rocker goes on to check out the the sippy cup, he could use the new browser from the KDE project called Falcon. And the the Falcon released their first version of I'm not sure if they're calling it 1.0, but it's the first release of the browser that was formerly known as. as I always say, say it. Cupzilla. Just say it. I always said Cupzilla. It could be Quapzilla. I don't know. Cupzilla. But there's I a always said Cupzilla. Changed the name of it. <laughs> I say Cupzilla as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I always said Cup. I don't know. But, but is they, it Falcon or is it Falcon? It's Falcon. Okay. All right. Just saying. Yeah. So, like, so do you it, fall over? <laughs> Or do you fall over? <laughs> it's just like scones and scones, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, do you so, throw do you throw stones at people? The Falcon is a really, really fast, lightweight browser, and it they when the Cubzilla team joined the KDE community, they decided to rename it because they were gonna rename it anyway, especially considering that Cubzilla has absolutely nothing to do with Mozilla and, or Firefox in any way. So the name was super confusing. So, uh, one, the new, the Falcon, I like that name. That's pretty cool. And it's, it's got a lot of improvements from the previous Cubzillas, but mostly it's like a, a maintenance and, and like a speed improvement. Have you ever used, uh, Cubzilla or Falcon? I have tried, uh, both. And I, I was going to ask you guys. I am so used to having extensions on my browser that I am not against using other browsers, browsers like this, but I am leery about using browsers that don't come with anything. Um, what about you guys? So like, for instance, LastPass, let me ask you, Michael, or, um, uh, one of the other password managers that are extension based, you couldn't use that in Quapzilla. Falcon. Falcon. <laughs> Squeaky weasel. Squeaky <laughs> weasel. Yes. I've got to find this browser that he keeps harping on about. <laughs> so in, in addition, is it going to have any codecs installed to allow you to play like Netflix or Amazon video or anything like that? Because here's the thing. People are like, oh, you can have this and you can have this browser and then use this browser for this. I don't want all that. I just want a browser that does it all and Firefox can do that for me. So why do I well, need? Some of these I, I mean, I'm not saying people shouldn't, you know, use Firefox. I'm I'm a huge fan of Firefox. I just yeah. think Falcon is a really nice browser option for people who are, you know, using low end hardware. They want to use something that's like very lightweight, and Falcon is probably the most lightweight while still being the most useful. Like Michael, there are other lightweight browsers. My question: I said, can I play Netflix on it? I don't know. <laughs> Michael doesn't have a Netflix account. I've yeah. never heard you say those words, Michael. I've literally never heard you say, I don't know. Shocking. Well, uh, don't get used to it. And, um, <laughs> so but, the best thing about this browser for me is it doesn't start with a K. Yeah. That is a good what do you, what do you have against Ks, Zeb? Well, because everything's K in KDE. Every kiss begins with K. <laughs> Look, it's great that there's another browser uh, that's that's here that you can use. It's just like I said, I was I was just trying to make the point that I don't. I'm in the same boat as Ryan, where I'm. I have certain things that I need, and this doesn't allow me to use them, so I probably won't yeah. be using it. But it's awesome to see them develop something. Maybe in the future it will. They have talked about adding some extension stuff, and because they're based on. Uh, 
the cute web engine system, it's possible that they could use web extension type stuff. So it is theoretically possible that some extensions may be ported over because they already technically have ported a couple. But I think they were doing those specifically for like ad block and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's still pretty cool. I I still like it. But um, I think I think Falcon has a lot of potential. And if anybody wants to check out like the a light browser that's that reliable, like I've had a couple issues with other ones, but I think Falcon is going to be like probably the go to for that. I tested it one time where I put as many uh, browsers browser tabs that I usually use on other browsers, and the thing never got over like 150 meg usage. Like it was amazing. Wow. But what's also amazing is Bitwarden. So yes. instead of LastPass, you could try out Bitwarden as an extension for whatever browser you use. But except the, for Falcon. Falcon. But can it Netflix? Well, that was going to ask. Can, what, what, can you run Netflix not, and Bitwarden? We're trying to connect these two. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, so, so Bitwarden, you could connect to your browser. But if you can't with something like Falcon, uh-huh. that's okay. Because Bitwarden just released a new desktop app for... This solves my whole problem. Exactly. You're, you're, you're completely fine now. And the Bitwarden desktop app is a electron based application that is packaged in an app image. If you haven't tried Bitwarden before, it's, uh, as Ryan said, it's kind of like the, it's an extension password manager that's kind of like LastPass, except they do a lot of things better than LastPass. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple things that LastPass does better, but there's a lot more that Bitwarden does. More importantly, it's open source and self-hostable, which is fantastic. I love that. Okay, so the open source part is nice, but the self-hosted. I use awesome. Bitwarden by your suggestion yeah. way back when. That I, was your first one. Yeah, I use Bitwarden. Was, uh, it works great on my phone. It works great in Firefox. Why do I need a desktop app? The issue we just described okay. with Falcon would be one. That's one. Yeah. There's there it might it might not work with every browser because they only support a couple browsers. So if like if you're not using that particular browser, this would be a good solution for that. Uh, there's other things that I think this would be better because it's it's an already preloaded thing and you don't have to worry about trying to load. There's certain aspects in Bitwarden that are kind of sluggish because it's run it's it's not running any of the extension data yet until you click it and activate it. So when it's like activating things, it kind of they need to like, you know, improve that kind of stuff. But this approach allows you to have a like always there available to like the speed. I, on my testing, the speed is better. The custom server thing was also kind of problematic for the the, the extension. It's possible, but it's kind of funky. Will this now then mean that I don't have to keep signing into the? Mozilla version, and when I jump to Chrome, sign into that one and make sure it's up and running. Can I just install this, and it will automatically open up in Firefox if I go to a website that's got a password stored? It will open if you if you go into the in the, in the application this the desktop app. If you open a website from that, it will open whatever your default browser you want to be open in. But if and I'm really on a browser and I suddenly go to YouTube, will it sign me in? The the issue with that is that the 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 auto login on the browser extension is like an experimental tool part. So it I don't works know. Brilliantly. Yeah, it works great, but they call it, they, they, they classify it as experimental. So I'm not really sure if they are comfortable with making the desktop one do that. Well, since so it, many of you use Bitwarden, why doesn't one of you go and test it? 
because that would mean uninstalling it off of the two browsers. So from what you've just said, let's go file, exit, and I'll stick with, I'll stick with it in my browser as an extension. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. The, the, it's, it's great to have the both options is the thing. So like, for example, being able to do like do certain tools that are available, that are only available in the desktop. So like the being able to like manage your passwords more than just like, have you ever like tried to open your, your, um, you open a password in your extension. And this, this happens on LastPass too. And you click something, you click, oh, oh, I forgot. I need to click something else before. And you go back and it's all reset because the, you, you have to do the search again. You got to do all this yep. other stuff again. This is, this allows you to have like a separate thing where, the passwords are still stored in the same location. So, but you can, you can do a lot more, um, more customization and more managing of it without any headaches. You know what I hate in LastPass? The moments where it's like, Hey, do you want us to make a password for you? I'm like, sure do. And then you have it make one. And then it decides for whatever reason not to save that password that it made that I have no idea what it is. And now I have to spend the next 15 minutes trying to reset it. That's maybe, what I, maybe if you use Bitwarden. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think I might have to switch. But listen, Rocco, I think I've come up with a title for our show. What's that? I'm thinking it's like I'm thinking Linux or, or something along those lines because we've got Google thinking Linux that we talked about. We have Samsung thinking Linux that we talked about. And there's one more story I want to cover before we get into gaming, and that's Amazon thinking Linux. Do you know what Amazon's doing? What's Amazon doing besides selling stuff? Listen, buy a Camry and a Sienna, and you're going to have Linux in there today. Or the Japanese version of the Prius. Yeah. What's a Sienna? It's a van, I think. think. Yeah, it's a van. Is it? I, I think this the the automotive the automotive grade Linux it's been around for a little while but I think it's it's a fantastic approach because like uh, it's it's Toyota and also other other companies are um, working together to make auto grade, automotive grade Linux it's not just like something they're using it like they're even like contributing to it in like a collective so that that that's pretty awesome. I mean, this stuff has always happened, right? These big companies behind the scenes have used Linux, but they've never talked about it. Now we're starting to see these gigantic tech firms leveraging Linux, and they're talking about it up front and out with the public. Linux is, I mean, it really starts helping to push the case when you're telling people to use Linux, and then you have companies like Amazon, Google, and Samsung also telling people, to use Linux. But I right? want to know why it's taken the car industry so long to jump on the bandwagon. I mean, you have all of the, say, the ATMs. They've been running Linux for how long now? Like, because of it being so customizable. How come? And technically, there are some companies that use Linux in a, like, a, a bare bones way to, like, mitigate, like, not mitigate, but, like, to, compensate for like certain aspects of the computer and the chips. Yeah, but I'm like, talking about Michael where yeah, you have companies that are trying to differentiate themselves from everybody else. When oh, yeah. you can use Linux and and customize something down to the very core level to be your brand, why would you not do that? Why is it taking so long for the car manufacturers to do this? I don't understand. That's a very good point. I have no idea. But they're here and they're doing it now. Yeah, I mean, Sienna. You look awesome in it. Yeah, it is pretty cool that they're doing it, and especially the like the Toyota is already like shipping cars with it. That's pretty cool. It is. Cool. Uh, but there's the 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 thing I like about this is uh, the the Amazon in, integration with the speech recognition is pretty cool. Yeah, 
like um i, I kind of wish nuance would uh work on other things that they canceled and that's not important um but like amazon working on like this is they're adding their stuff into the automatic grade linux that that brings so much more potential to other manufacturers picking it up too you know what's awesome you know what i like what do you like rocco gaming do you you like one game anyway uh, one one anyway rocket league <laughs> that's what gaming's all about right michael it's just yeah when there, you there say gaming game. i don't know what you're talking about. rocket league Period. <laughs> you, it, there's, it's, it's not called PC gaming. It's called PC game. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what have you been playing this week, man? Man, this is a good one. This is a good one. Zeb, listen, first of all, we need to clear something up, Zeb. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm kind of annoyed by some comments that you left on last week's YouTube video. We're going to, we're going to hash it out right here, even though this is our positive. Wait, episode. this is a positive episode, right? Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to talk about Dogafesto communist or whatever. Bring it, it on, big fella. <laughs> or whatever it was. Communist <laughs> Dogafesto. Well, look, look. Is this I, the one where you kept crawling through the vent and then you couldn't kill one itty bitty dog? Yeah. That's the one, Zeb. Yeah. I watched the well, video. Yeah. Look, Zev, here's the deal. With <laughs> Tell us what happened, Ryan. Tell us why you couldn't kill the dog. You need to understand, Zev, that there are games that we go through that we say are coming out for Linux. And then there are, there's Ryan's Game of the Week. Ryan's Game of the Week is a game that I either recommend or hate that I say I play. But the other games, we're just mentioning they exist. So while I told you that you were a fool for not playing Dogafesto Communist, or right at one time. <laughs> <laughs> It was the stupidest game ever. <laughs> oh my gosh! But the I wanted you to be so wrong, Zeb. I really wanted you to be wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh! But let me tell you something. I'm not wrong about this because I actually played this game before the episode. It is Ion Maiden, and if you ever have nostalgia towards—is this Doom? It is kind of like Doom, and in fact, 3D Realms the creator of the massively popular shareware platform. If you guys remember carrying around, you know, those little uh, hard disks that you would carry and you'd get shareware and you could go play games like Wolfenstein and Duke Nukem and Commander Keen and all that. Well, the company behind that has released this game, Ion Maiden. It's a throwback to that era. You've got got Gatling guns, shotguns, enemies coming in from all around. It's very much a throwback to that. And it's, it's a Doom remix. It's very fun. It's very, very fun. It and you've good, got but... the main character doing the 80s style one-liners. I mean, that alone, you know, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger throwing a spear through someone telling him to stick around, that type of one-liners. How can you not enjoy that stuff? When's it coming oh, out then? It's out right now. Really? Yeah, I've been playing it. Okay. 17.99. So it's a little steep Ooh. on the price. A little steep on the price. On the Would price. the graphics pass my test or no? Nothing would pass your graphics <laughs> test, one, though. Unless it's cars with rockets on the back of it, no. That's fair. It definitely <laughs> wouldn't pass your test. Okay. In fact, no game we're about to talk about <laughs> this week is going to pass your test. Sorry. In fact, Zeb will not like any of these games either. Like, Zeb likes Euro Trucker, right? So he likes to I have realistic not... trucks that he's driving around. So to, to drive unrealistically. And so unless you guys see me reviewing a game like, I don't know, uh, Stuck in Traffic 2017, <laughs> we're probably not going to have a game that Zeb likes. You know? The Daily Commute. <laughs> the daily I was commute, actually yeah. thinking of playing this because I used to like Doom. Oh, okay. All right. So All right. that's the Not only one of the ones that here. Wait. 
He just you heard it. it. You heard it here first. Zeb is going to be live streaming it tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Live streaming Iron Maiden. I think this is the one of the games I might have played. I cannot wait to watch it. I I'll I'll be glued to the seat, Zeb, waiting for it. What other (laughs) game do we have this week? (laughs) Okay, so we have a game called Vaporum. I think that's how you pronounce it. So if if you like Diablo, you may find this. Okay, I guess. I'm not a big fan of Diablo. Okay. So. Okay, I guess. <laughs> How could you not be a fan of Diablo? I'm not a fan of Diablo. It's only one of the greatest games probably ever made. I'm going okay. to agree with Rocco on this one. I'm not. Uh, wow, that's so sad. It's the type of game. It's not really Diablo itself. It's the, or the type. Or the, it's just like this. I mean, Torchlight? You don't even like that? It's, it's the style. Hang on. Shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> He sounds familiar, though. Sounds familiar, though. One of those games. Sounds familiar, though. Half an hour wandering around, looking in cabinets and and reading manuscripts. And I don't know why we do this section. You guys only play one game. <laughs> this is a steampunk type game, so it's slightly different. Look, this game has the, the soundtrack. Looks like it's going to be amazing. If you're into Legend of Grimrock. I have the Beholder series games, those type of things. You're going to love this, man. This is, this is a super popular game style and it's got already 201 very positive reviews. Well, we talked about it in one of the previous episodes and it has decent graphics on it. It's, it has that grid based style, but I'd love to know like exactly how it plays out. Like, what what is the point like where are you, what are you doing as you're going through this grid space is there a point to it is there a boss at the end what what is the deal with it Ryan do you know yeah you definitely have boss fightings it's a dungeon crawler so as you you basically have a the whole grid system is you're basically seeing your inventory think about it like i3 you have window management did you say something <laughs> Your inventory and everything is tiled on your screen so that you don't have to click separate shortcuts to get to it. And you're going through this dungeon, and if you see an enemy, you've got some options like an MMORPG at the bottom, you know, to cast a spell or hit them with a cane or whatever you've got. But it's that style of game, and this is a super popular style of game that, you know, I think I think all of you, as part of your homework to get more... Um, you know, knowledge in the gaming realms should all buy and play this game this week. It looks good. It looks good, but it's no, for me, no real difference to the um, Iron Maiden one. You're just running around killing things. Well, this, this game is $19. So, I mean, it's a lot of, there's a lot of content and fun to be had here. And a lot of people like it for that $19. So there you yeah, go. I'm not saying that people wouldn't enjoy it. I just, it's not my type of game. So I don't think I'd survive your challenge. It doesn't have it doesn't have car or rockets. I mean, that's an automatic. Like those two particular things, if you put that in any game, it makes it amazing <laughs> automatically. I'm with you. But but speaking of surviving, uh, surviving Mars was available for pre-order this week. So if you, it's a, a new game that is being released or available pre-order on GOG or good old games, if you didn't know what GOG meant, and so, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how many people don't know what that means. <laughs> they they call themselves just GOG now or God. I I just, that's I what really I mean. 
Like yeah. that's that's all you see it. That's that's how they label yeah, everybody everything. Everybody calls it Gog. Yeah, Gog, yeah. They Gog they Gog. just completely got rid of the because the, they don't do old games anymore. So they just completely ignore that name. Interesting. Now. <laughs> all right. But so <laughs> Surviving Mars is a sci-fi city builder. Uh, where you're trying to colonize and survive Mars. So th- that's just kind of like it's like a uh, Sim City meets The Martian. That's yeah, pretty man. cool. I like the idea. Yep. I love that too. And you know, the game's thirty nine ninety nine. What I love is wow. they're releasing it for Windows, Mac, and Linux at the same time. <laughs> now I like to translate the money for our friends in Britain and other areas. So that's about twenty nine marigold shillings where Zeb lives. <laughs> That's just too expensive. <laughs> Very good. You've, you've gone from seventeen dollars to twenty dollars to thirty dollars. Is is that a lot of marigold shillings? <laughs> that's too much for a game. That's for sure. Okay. I'm just ignoring the. What else can you buy shillings. with marigold? Twenty nine marigold shillings. Just curious. Well, you can't I can get buy a baseball bat and visit you. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good game. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that went wow. That, that was, this was supposed to be our happy episode. That was harsh. <laughs> Man. I'm just a loose cannon. Sorry, boys. <laughs> Don't make fun of their money over there. They take it serious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Revenge is better served cold. Man, he went for it. All right, so everybody plays games on Steam. Have you ever wanted to back up one of those games that doesn't offer the cloud synchronization. Yeah. Okay. Ion Maiden would have been one while I was just dropping. Okay. So there is a program called SLSK and it stands for Steam Linux Swiss Army Knife. I don't, I don't know where the I guess Where's the, the A gone? I don't know where the A is going, but I guess because Maybe it's Swish hyphen army. Yeah, it is, but it doesn't translate <laughs> into the name. But anyway, this will let you back up and restore your Steam configs. So I downloaded it. I tried it. And on Katie Neon, and I wasn't the only one having the issue because there was other people having the same issue where it wasn't allowing you to actually try it. You would tell it where the location of your games were. And it wasn't highlighting the next. So I didn't actually get to use it. But apparently it was, uh, from what I read after trying it, it was uh, an issue with not the right path. Although I did give it the right path. And so I'm not sure exactly what happened with it. But it looks like an awesome program that is sorely needed. Yeah. So what do you guys think? I want to see it combined with Lutris. Can you imagine having the combination of Lutris and then you have this backup tool within Lutris so that you kind of have all of your gaming tools outside of steam into one. I mean, I know this is, I know this is difficult in the Linux world to ask for collaboration, but can those two get together and work on this please? <laughs> because it's an awesome idea. I mean, it's something I missed this week when I was doing the distro hop, I had started playing Iron Maiden and then it doesn't have cloud sync and I switched distros and I had lost all my save progress. So I'd love to have had yeah, it. Yeah, not good. Not good. Um, is it only this install script thing where you have to build it or has it got a dev file and stuff? Um, I use the script, so I don't know exactly what all it has as far as installed, but um, it has. We'll put a link in the uh, description for the article at OMG Ubuntu, and you can put in yeah. the commands and install it. At the moment, it's a uh, compiling only, but you know yeah, it might change in the future. 
Yeah, because at the moment I do a, a weekly, just grab my local share game file and chuck it on an external USB. Um, but this would be much easier if it would store it to the cloud so that the next time you installed the game, it said, do you want to carry on where you left off? Yeah, hang on a minute. And dumps all the files back on your, right. on your hard drive. That would be good. Yeah, and I in mean, fact, I, that would save you to having to put all those sim links in because yeah, you could I just, just install the game and away it go. I don't, I don't reinstall my system for two years, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that problem. You know, I, I think out of this group of gamers here, I want to know how many of you actually use a Steam controller. I'm one of them. I love my Steam controller. Who has I, a Steam? I, I like mine as well. It's right here because it needs to be on camera all the time. I have a Steam controller. I use my Xbox. So Rocco has one. Michael has one. I have one. Zeb, do you have one? I don't have a Steam controller, no. I use my Xbox controller. Uh, but proper Steam controller support is coming to the Linux kernel finally. So as you know, if you've used your Linux controller before, you pretty much have to have Steam open, and then you can kind of use it like a mouse, even if you want to to move around your desktop, etc., uh, or within games, of course. But now they're going to be adding some additional support into the kernel itself so that maybe... You won't even have to have that that Steam client open to be able to instantly connect with this controller. A lot of people do a workaround. They use an app called SC Controller. You won't have to do that soon. What do you think? Awesome. I, I like that because I, um, I there's so many games I would like to use this. Like the Steam Controller is great for certain types of games, like mm-hmm. platformers. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. And there are certain like there's some games that you that I have that are not in Steam. So making them making it work in those games is is painful. So like if it was just built into the kernel, that solves it completely. This is a big deal. I like it. Yeah, I think it's great. Well, I like I said, I have a Steam controller, but I don't use it because I'm more of a keyboard mouse centric kind of guy. So even in Rocket League, I'll play with the mouse and keyboard. Yeah. It's okay. If you, you don't that. have a keyboard left anymore, so you might want to start using the Steam controller. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> all right. So that's pretty much all we got. What are you going to be doing this week, Zeb? Um, I'm going to continue using um, Calculate Linux because I've got it installed. So I just want to just confirm to myself for another week that, yes, it was a nice experiment, but I won't be doing it again because it just the reward, other than the fact that I can now say I'm a Gen 2 user, but I'm not really. I'm a derivative user. So... Um, I just want to prove to myself that yes, it's not, it's not the be all and end all of Linux distributions. Hmm. No, that's i3. You can, you, don't, you can use it on any distribution. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what are you going to be up to? Uh, so here's my plan. Yep. So I typically release one video a week and have been for a while. My plan is to actually do another one. Wow. I know that was my plan of this past week as well. And the one before that. And the one before that one. But this one's going to happen. This one really, really this is seriously. Act- yes, this it's actually, it is set in stone Whoa. with a crayon, but still, it's set in stone. <laughs> so, Zeb, you're going to be streaming? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan? So listen, what I'm going to be doing this week is am I, am I, I want you guys to take a bet. Am I going to be on GNOME next week when we start filming the next episode? That's the question. No. Yes. 
Zepp says yes. Look at that, Rocco. I have no. a way to make you consider doing it. So it's probably like 50-50 maybe, but I actually found a guy who made i3 work as the window manager in GNOME. Ooh, that's so that's so that's interesting. <laughs> I just want to see how it works. Really man. fun, actually. Yeah, you send me information on that. Then, but then that's not using GNOME. GNOME. Yes, it is. It's a it's, comp. It's GNOME adjacent. No, no okay. it's not part of what? the. No. It's not. It you, doesn't go with the GNOME challenge. You still get the shale, though. You no. still get all the shell features and extensions. <sighs> no, and you have to use the GNOME. Mutter. Workflow. You're not yeah. using Mutter. You'd be using i3 instead. Everything else would still be. You'd be using Listen, a different I, workflow. I predict one way or another, I will be on GNOME. I will be on GNOME some way, somehow, next week when we record again. Because I, I found the workflow that I, I have made it work for me right now. So there you go. That's awesome. That's absolutely yep. awesome. Well, I'm going to be, I, I was actually looking for a new mouse. But, but I think I'm going to need a new keyboard, so I'm going to be on a hunt for a keyboard, I guess. And we'll see what happens with that. If it takes Rocco a really long time to reply to you in Telegram, it's because he has a Steam controller and he has to use the on-screen keyboard one key at a time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you should have seen me trying to get back <laughs> on the computer after my keyboard was whacked yeah. out. Because at first, it, it did work. And it was only the number one because, you know, the number one was stuck and it was clicking all the way through. Well, then the number one didn't work at all. So the keyboard started working, but the number ones wouldn't work, neither the number pad or the number one. And then the whole thing just died. There you go. On to happier news. (laughs) (laughs) We will return next week with another episode, hopefully. Hopefully with not as many technical issues. issues that we had man, this week this was some episode man this was a tough one man but yeah we made it yes, so we, we want to thank everybody for watching for listening however way you do it everybody have a great week and remember the journey itself is just as important as the destination thanks everyone yeah bye-bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. So what happened, boss? (laughs) So the power went out. So there you have that. Oh, Oh, man. Rocco, we can't hear you anymore. Rocco, <laughs> Rocco, are you saying anything? Did the storm knock out his mic? mic as well? Did you spill coffee on your mic? Okay, Rocco, what's okay. your perspective? Okay, so I Rocco, think what's I have. Your, what's your thoughts on this, <laughs> Rocco? Do you, you have an you're, opinion? You're making a lot of uh, editing. Over to you, Rocco. You're making a lot of editing for me. Over to you. Uh, over to the booth, Rocco. <laughs> is the news desk? Uh, is Rocco? Has anyone seen Rocco? This just in. Rocco is missing. Go ahead. You done? (laughs) Hey, hey, I was about to tell you until you interrupted. (laughs)
<laughs> Amazon engineers have teamed up with Nuance. So are you going to tell us what before you interrupted? I don't know, Zeb. He don't was gonna, you do this back to he, me he, that I did to you, Rocky. He was going to do something. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. The good news. Well, if the cap that? fits, you've got to use it. The good and news you've got a cap on. So, yeah. that Ryan, what's the good news? You're going to be able to run. Will you tell us the good news? In your Toyota Camry. Why and are you taking forever to say it? Just Dude, say just it. spit it out. Just spit it out and tell us what just you want to tell us. Just run Linux in your car. Just like you run it on your desktop. You better go buy a Toyota. Is that all you got? That's, that's it. Is that it? <laughs> we waited all of that for a one-liner? Really? <laughs> Next. Rocco, so, you've ruined the show. It's totally you ruined. stopped. Yeah. It's gone. I'm done. Is there ever going to be an episode, Rocco, where you go, hey, guys, good job. I didn't know that we already decided that. Yeah, we were just talking about it. You weren't listening. Right, yeah. I guess I, I think, wasn't I included in that. Oh, your power might have flicked out. Yeah, it might have. <laughs> Save it for the show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I good wanted point, to say Zeb. those words. Whatever, Zeb. <laughs> yeah, good point, Zeb. <laughs> Whatever. Bronco, please get some control over this. This is ridiculous. Why? I'm a loose cannon. Leave me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Zeb's over there like, oh, this, the violin I happen to have. <laughs> and he said that's the cord for his headphones. There's no way it makes that sound. I think that hit a nerve. Just saying. You have got some editing to do this week. Wow. And I'm Ryan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was just about to start. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like uh, you know, started. <clears throat> I'm Ryan, folks. <laughs> Welcome to Destination Linux. I think that baseball bat's coming soon, Zep. <laughs> Louisville Slugger. Oh, man. That's your new name. <laughs> Louisville Slugger. Uh, thanks. I, I don't have an excuse. I'm just trying to say things to pretend that at some point it might come out. I, like, I don't know. I like Google. I've never oh, used Android Pay. Somebody soundbite that, please. Dude, for the first time, I want a Samsung, and I haven't said that forever, right? I, DOS Google, wants a Samsung <laughs> device, finally. Everybody have a great week, and remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Everybody have a great week, and remember, <laughs> the journey itself is just as important as Michael breaking down on the destination. That's it. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. So no. I can get this on my S8? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm... Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>